Hey everybody, welcome back to The Producers. Uh, this week's episode is Jim Zarling. I'm just going to jump right into the plug so I don't spend too much time on the intro. Uh, the first plug is Jim has a podcast. Uh, Tom plugged it last week, but uh, Scene Makers, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Um, haven't yet, but looking forward to it. Um, other plugs, Coalition Theater at RVA Comedy, on social media, rvacomedy.com, classes. Uh, yeah, classes are live now. Go take a one-on-one if you haven't. Um, super, super fun. Obviously, it changed my life, as you can tell by the trajectory of this podcast. Um, show plugs, producerscast at gmail.com, at producerscast on social media, whatever. You know how that goes. Um, yeah, yeah, and you can email the show. Tom said it was the producerscast. It's producerscast. So let's just get that, get that going. Um, but yeah, that should be everything. Um, enjoy the episode, guys. My mom has five. How, how old is she? Uh, 46. Oh, yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> See, the, uh, the formula I came up with is you're allowed one cat per decade. Oh. Uh, and if you have more cats than you are decades old, then mm. you're a crazy cat person. What if you have dogs? Does that change anything? <sighs> no, no dogs people are great. So one dog doesn't wait, change Wait, wait, no, 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 it doesn't. Oh, man, I was kind of hoping that that would, like... Put her just under I mean, having that mixed pet thing is a whole nother... Whole, oh, so if it was all, just cats, then it applies, but if there's, like, a dog... Uh, that's a different kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, like, those people's got, like, I have two parrots, three cats, a gerbil, <laughs> and just like, what? Yeah. You like cats, right? Uh, I'm, cats are fine. Yeah. I have nothing against any pets. I am a little allergic, but as long as I don't start touching my face and petting cats, yeah, they, she can stay. Oh. By the time by the time it hits, I'll be able to get home and get a Claritin or something. Cool. Yeah. Very friendly, so cool. Feel free to shoo, shoo them away. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> hey there, bud. Cats also know. They're like this motherfucker's allergic. <laughs> oh, he likes some fake tits. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Sorry, like, I don't know that. Alexa, stop. <laughs> Alexa heard fake tits. Alexa knows what fake tits is. <laughs> Where do you think we get these things, Alexa? <laughs> burr, burr. Oh. Just going for it. Right? I, I've always wanted to ask you. Yeah. And cut, because I've never found an appropriate opportunity. Yeah. So is this a persona or? Uh, no. I mean, I, I play it on stage like that. Mm-hmm. Are we recording? Or yeah. just, oh, wow. Yep. You just, from, from the moment. Okay. I've missed too many good moments not recorded from the get-go. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, um, I think be, like making a persona kind of mm-hmm. made it easier to just jump in Yeah. Like and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I've been doing since before I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, being a kid and like, the late seventies, early eighties. It wasn't like you had all these role models or stuff or like people were not chill with it. Yeah. 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 So, um, basically 
uh, let me see what time frame is it. So maybe like a year or two before I got divorced, I opened up to my ex-wife and that kind of like shit hit the fan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like a month after I got divorced, I had been asked to host Pride on uh, Brown Island. I had done it the year before as myself and I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go out first time going in public and I'm going to dress up. And first time hosting an event? Yeah. First time dressed up. Yeah. Yeah. I went out and I hosted this event on okay. Brown Island. It was like, what, a thousand people there? It sounds better. It is like eight people pay attention to what's going on in the music <laughs> stage. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it for three years, and every time after I left the stage, I was like, how come no one's ever like, hey, good job, I saw you. It's like, well, you go to the back of that, and there's like, they can't even hear what's going on on the stage in the back. So, um, But yeah, no, it's a little more than Persona, but the Persona makes it easier just to like go out and be on stage and sure. kind of do that. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure, and like, there's no, like, I feel like... I feel like people who aren't or don't know just feel uncomfortable asking. Yeah. When you're just like, oh, yeah, this is me. And they also feel uncomfortable asking me anything. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Well, you do kind of push that off a little bit. Just a little Uh, bit. You know, I mean, my thing is, because I was thinking about this, because to be fair, Emily said that you thought I hated you. And I feel feel like uh, a lot of people feel that. But for me... It's just, like, just because, like, we do stuff at the same theater, like, that's not how I get friends. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. Like, uh, I'm, I'm the kind of person who has, like, maybe four or five, like, really close friends, and then everyone else I just kind of know, but mm-hmm. I'm not really looking to be, like, best buds. I mean, we're, I'm friendly with everyone, but yeah. I think everyone expects everyone to just be like, whoa, look, so you're here, oh, oh my gosh, god, and I'm just like... You know, for me, like, the friendship is always, I'm always like, you know what, let's go on stage and do a kick-ass show, and, like, that's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, be all buddies before the show, and then have a mediocre show where we're all jerking each other off, because we're, like, so clever, and then afterwards be like, we're buddies, and I'd rather just have, like, a great experience on stage, and then afterwards be like, that was fucking tight. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely have never wavered from that. I think, I think, I don't think it was like, I thought you hated me, I just think that, uh, yeah, I think what you just said probably yeah. was closer. Like, for me, definitely, coming into the theater kind of scene, it was like, i new to Richmond, don't know anybody, and yeah. so it was really nice to find a community and stuff like yeah. that. But, uh, yeah, I definitely see kind of your your side of it, and I don't know, I never thought you hated me, I just okay. always thought you were... Uh, I hope no one thinks I hate them, it's just like, I don't know, like, I mean, how old are you? 26. You're 26. I'm like, an entire drinking-aged person older than you yeah so like you know it's not it's not i'm not against anything but it's just like if it wasn't for this we wouldn't be friends yeah we would never have ever i would paths. never cross paths with you i also think that uh probably and this is just what i am guessing also yeah. being i've only been like part of the community for like less than a year right people come through a lot yeah so people come by and you're like oh am i gonna get to know this person before they eventually stop doing things here yeah so, like, I feel like you kind of make people earn it a little bit. Like, if you're going to be someone who I pay attention to, there's got to be, like, like we, we do a great show or you yeah. consistently do this or whatever like that. Yeah. So I always thought it was like a, um, he's more of a tough guy. you got to, like, earn his respect. Uh, I don't know if I'm a tough guy. It's just, like, for me, like, the focus is always on the performance. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's, that's why I do it. Uh, and that was, of course, the thing, and I talked to you about this, is, like, you did a few shows that, like, and I told you they were awful. Yeah. And I was just like, I want to be friends with an awful performer. Yeah. Because you you know you don't want to hear that from me all the time. You don't want to be like, yeah, Jim's my friend. He tells me I suck every time I see him. <laughs> and it's just like... 
I definitely liked that because people because I because I was doing with an indie team. Yeah, I love my indie team, but yeah. like we were all so green and like yeah. I hadn't even finished like three hundred one or two hundred one at that sometimes and like it was good experience, but like people would be yeah, great show. It was so not a great show. We were so awkward up there. As long as you know it, like part of the part of the thing is that I appreciate is that like everyone. I talked to all three of you individually, and you kind of all knew it wasn't great, mm-hmm. and so that kind of made me feel good because there's nothing worse than like people who do shit work, and then afterwards they're just like clapping themselves on the back I and they're like, it. oh, it we did it, man. It's just like, oh, we were peaking. Fuck you guys so hard, man. You guys suck. <laughs> and improv for me, like improv is always so hard to begin with because. Like, no one's ever seen a bad movie and then be like, movies suck. I'm never going to see another movie again. But plenty of people have seen a bad improv show and be like, yeah, I saw improv. It was stupid. Yeah. I'm never going to see improv yeah, again. Why would I so ever go to that again? Anytime I see someone doing shitty improv, I'm like, you're making this harder for everyone else. Really, yeah, absolutely. And that was one thing I think was just so difficult about doing it and getting good feedback. Yeah. I was like, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, because that, that's, that's like the main thing is do good shows. Yeah. That's the number one rule, do good shows. And it's just like, I know it was like refinery and lap sets, but it was just like. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, for me, it's like, it kind of, like for me, improv is always like, it's less about, I don't know. It's less about like being the best. Oh, you're here. So we can talk about this. So it's less about like being like the best or superstar. If you like want to be a superstar, the fucking improv's not for you. It's about like, yeah, go do stand up and suck at that. Like you can be bad at stand up, but people will still go see other stand ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also like finding that moment in each show and like finding your role in each show. And if your role is just like that, just hitting it hard. And it reminded me because the last show I saw you in, you just had this shining moment where there were two scenes. You just came at the end, picked up some food and started eating and was like, oh, yeah. so what are we talking about? Yeah. And I yeah, got to yeah. laugh the first time. And then the scene was recreated again in a callback and you came into the same thing and it was perfect. And I was like, that's it. It's like, I don't remember anything else you did from that show. Matter of fact, I don't even think you were in that many scenes because it was like a big cast, mm-hmm. but you found that one thing mm-hmm. and you just hit it hard. It's like, if you feel like every scene you have to be the person driving the scene or every show you have to be the person the star. in the show. It's like, that's not it. I've had, I've, I've had the same thing where I've had people come to me and they were just like, you just did that one thing, but it was great. Yeah. Well, I think what's really what's, what's been really good, and I yeah. recommend this for anybody. I took Gantz for three hundred one. Uh-huh. If you know, if you've ever talked to Gantz for more than twelve seconds, he says the main thing you should do is make your teammates look good, support moves, and all that. And that was the reason Scott picked me for the team because he saw me doing support moves in the audition, yeah. like my honestly crap audition. But I do everything I can to make that person look good. So oh, yeah, that, that was the whole point. The whole secret is like selling this shit out of it's like being a professional wrestler sometimes mm-hmm. where it's like if stone cold gives you a stunner and you don't sell it stone cold looks like a dick but yeah. you're the asshole yeah um and for me it's also like i never focus on like when i start a scene i'm never focused on like what i think like if this if the suggestion was candy bar i never think about like candy bar i'm gonna be eating a candy bar i'm gonna be selling a candy bar so it's like just pick an emotion like mm-hmm. how that made you feel and like be doing something physical and just go from there and like it's so much more fun if you and I are doing a scene. How much more fun is if you and I are on stage and we're each doing something and I'm pissed and you're like super happy and we just we just are in our thing for like 15 seconds and then the first thing one of us says just like crystallizes everything the audience has been watching and the audience like shits themselves 
rather than like you coming in and like not even doing anything. Nothing. I was like, man, there are aliens in the backyard. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> and I, and now what do we do? Yeah. What's going on? Aliens are great. I do. I love the idea of doing a scene and not saying anything for like a really long time. And oh my seconds God. Is lo- that is so mad. Everyone feels so much pressure. I'm just like, just let it breathe. I tell people all the time. It's like, don't say anything unless you feel you have to. Yeah. But that's like a thing where like the whole team has to commit to it. Because mm-hmm. if like. If you play that way, I guarantee you someone's going to come on stage and be just like, I'm talking now in this scene. And it's like, oh, but there's something beautiful in that silence. I need to save this scene. It's so right. quiet. Oh, no, the quiet scenes are the best. The, the audience, it, here's what the pressure comes from, is when you're not feeling something and you're not doing anything, then yeah, you're just standing up there like an asshole. Mm. And the audience is like, this dude's just standing there. But if you're like, I don't know, chopping at the ground with a pickaxe and you're mad as hell... Even if no one else comes out, you know, people will watch that. Yeah, there's, there's th- They'll be like, something's going, going, something's going on here. Where's this going? Did, you, did, did Ryan ever tell you about his audition? No. Oh, my gosh. I would love to hear all that. Okay. Stuff. So, I don't know if they did this when you guys auditioned, but they did this thing where they had everyone in the green room. One person at a time. And they'd come out, and there's someone on stage that they didn't know. It was one of us, mm-hmm. and they just had to do a scene with him. And so, Ryan comes out, and Ryan's got me, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just staring at him, like, super pissed. And he gets on stage and he asks me a question. And in my brain, I'm like, fuck this dude asking me a question. I'm not going to say anything at all until he stops asking me questions. And then he asks like two or three more questions. And though I'll always say, I knew Ryan, Ryan figured it out what the game was. And they are, but in the moment I'm like, does this guy know what the game is or is he freaking out? Mm-hmm. And he just, he just got more anxious and like was acting more and asking crazier, louder questions. The more I wouldn't say anything. And the scene ended and it was hilarious. And he made a team, and then his team's his team's first show. He's in two scenes, and he doesn't say anything in either scene, and he gets huge laughs because he's just like reacting silently. <laughs> so funny. That was, that's so that's so that's such a funny thing for me too. The first time I was ever in a two person scene on stage uh-huh. was with Ryan, yeah, and I didn't say anything. <laughs> The whole time he was just asking You're part of the lineage. You're part of my lineage now. The silent kids. Yeah, it's so funny. It's, um, I'm like, yeah, people think like the silence is like the audience thinks nothing's going on. But if you're, if you're feeling something and you're showing it and you're doing stuff like the audience craves that shit. The actions speak really loud. The actions speak really loud. And then, like I said, if both of us are in our emotion for like 30 seconds and like, I'm just looking and the more I look at you the angrier I get and the more you look at me you're just like smiling and chill dude if we wait like 15 seconds we're working on a factory or whatever like the audience is like into this like they're like they're trying to figure out what it is and then you know a lot of times happens is for me if I'm like on stage with someone for like 15 seconds and that's what's going on like you just kind of discover what this is about right and then that first line kind of like knocks it out of the park mm-hmm. and you know, it's like oh yeah you just built all this tension up and then, boom, the first line was fucking amazing. Just, and then the edit, because the black edit locked that out, because there's no reason. Yeah, if, if, you, you if it's that like, good, if it's exactly. that good, it can. But, like, a lot of times what happens is you actually got started, like, a really strong scene. So, like, you want to see a play. Um, I, think, I think that's probably beyond my scope of understanding at this point. Like, really trying to... Because I remember with the 401 showcase, yeah. they would take scenes, and at points where I would probably normally edit, because yeah. they're encouraging, like, quick edits, follow your feet, yeah. all that. They kept going and they yeah. stuck with it. And I thought that was on purpose because they're like, make this scene better. You just yeah. got your laugh, but yeah. get another one and then yeah. get another one. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> like, for like edits, you know, and stuff like that, it's, uh, I always encourage people, like, if something happens in like 10, 15 seconds, 
like edit the scene. If it's like gets like a huge laugh and like you feel like the story was told in that little thing, like yeah. enough was told that the audience love it, like edit it. Mm-hmm. Um no one and the same thing with like bad scenes when like two people are in a bad scene and no one edits like we'll we'll wait for them to get a laugh. Trust me, no one's been in a shitty scene and like like no no no, let me flounder out here. Yeah, I got till I get, I got this. We're gonna get a laugh. I don't care how long it takes. There was one time I was doing a, a set with a team that I won't name, but like it was obviously going nowhere, and it got like a chuckle. And I, I actually, in character, I like looked to the wing. I'm like, please edit, just run, just walk. I don't care. And it was it was just like uh, so we had to keep going, and it was fine. But like I was just like I literally had to look at them like edit. Uh, you old. can never do that. You well, it was it was it more like um, I was performing with people who were a little more new. Yeah, those yeah. noobs. Noobs. See, I hate that you hate the noobs too. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm not wrong. Yeah, you're not. But also, like, uh, I'm still so new. So, like, what? The way, I guess I can say that about people who are newer than me. But yeah. like, who's really newer than me? Right. So. Yeah, no one. I think like the main thing is for me and. Like, have you ever taken, like, a workshop or uh, have me coach a team? Like, for me, it's all about, like, investing in that emotion. Mm-hmm. And as long as you have that emotion, like, you can be on stage as long as you want. Because you can mm-hmm. always go back to that if you're scared. You can always go back to that. Or you can always use that as your thing. And, um, yeah, a lot of times what happens is if you come up with, like, a brain choice, like, this scene is about those aliens in the backyard. Like, that's all you know. And you're kind of just flying. And you're just adding shit to the aliens. And you've ever seen that scene where... Someone just keeps adding stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff. And you're like, this scene's not about anything because you just keep adding stuff when you run out of stuff. It's yeah. like, just be scared of the aliens, bro. Just be scared. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to add anything other than more more afraid. Yeah. More scared. Well, I've been, I've been coaching a few indie teams the last couple months after taking, like, you know, I, I used to teach Improv 101 and I was doing stand-up, so I hadn't coached or anything for Improv for a while. And I just noticed that, like, I think a lot of times new players they're making the right choices Mm -hmm. and they just don't realize that they're making the right choices. It's like everything you say is important. Like that first line should be like what that scene's about. That's why my, my thing is like, you ever see a scene and someone comes up like, Hey Dave. They're like, Hey, it's like, Oh, this fucking scene sucks already. What is this this about? Um, but most times like you guys are making the right choices and you just, you like miss it Mm -hmm. or you're like not tuned into it. It's like, if you treat everything you say as important, and like, keep it like I, I always say, like just answer answer the person who just said something to you. Like, don't feel the need to like go on like little mini monologues. Like mm-hmm. one sentence is enough. Two sentences maybe tops. Yeah, um, I've definitely that, seen that. That goes with like um, with stand up as well. I tell people like you have to get what you want across as quickly as possible. It's few words, a few sentences. Yeah, economy of words, and just get to the point. And if if uh, it's like the thing where someone's just like you know. Like you wrecked my car, and this is just like last time where you did this, and then you did this. Like no, just let him, just let you wrecked my car. No. Let him, re- let him respond to the car and go from there. And yeah, I think it's a thing where it's just like kind of fear, mm-hmm. like oh, is that enough? What's the, what's going on here? Uh, you get people who like do that for a couple, like a minute into the scene, and then at one point they'll just like say a bunch of things at once. And it's like you know, you just trust your trust your trust your teammate. And just like have each other have each other's back and just be like, I'm listening to everything you're saying and I'm responding honestly to that. I'm not thinking about my idea in the back of my head. Yeah, I think that's something definitely because people feel like if they have if they're going to be a character, they can't just develop it on the fly. You wrecked my car. That immediately paints like four different things. I'm sure for you, yeah. for me, maybe two are hitting. Yeah. And then as it goes, as I think about it more, then yeah, I can come up with more. But for you, you're like I'm in. You've you've assigned me a character or yeah. whatever. Like 
I know how to be that character. And I think for me and other new new performers, it's like, I need to make my own thing or do this or do that when all I need to do, like you said, is just respond as a Pick character. your emotion. If I came on and was happy, and like I said, never change that. Like, if mm-hmm. I come on and I'm happy and you're just like, you fucking wrecked my car. And I'm like, I know, man. It fucking sucks, but, you know. That car, you know, I'm not, I don't want to have a scene here on yeah, your yeah. podcast. Please. But it's like, yeah, don't change, like, what you Like, I always say, like, there's nothing worse than someone who's on stage angry and everyone comes in and they're like, happy birthday. And they're just like, yay. It's like, no, respond out of anger. That's still the easiest way to get a laugh yeah. is like, happy birthday. Fuck you. You know, I hate birthdays. <laughs> right? And yeah. just laugh. It wasn't even a scene. It was just yeah. me saying stuff. Fuck you. You know, I hate Fuck you. You know I hate my birthday. Yeah, that's funny. And it's just like, yeah, just make your choice up front, and as long as you make as long as you make a choice, you're fine. Like, I, I always encourage people like watch shows and like when stuff's going wrong, mm-hmm. just be like, not that anything's going wrong, but when like the scenes are flat, be like, what's mm-hmm. going on? Do you know what everyone's doing on stage? Because I will say that I because I've watched shows since the beginning of my tutelage, yeah, and like. <clears throat> I definitely view them differently. I'm looking yeah. for the next move. I'm watching the wings. I'm watching this and that. And it's just like, okay. And like, I've learned the most watching. Like, like, right. It's, it, it, it's, everyone says that and yeah. it's true, but nobody believes it. Go to shows. You have free shows. That's why they give you free shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can go study. And like, just especially, especially like the whole, everyone at riot, like, if obviously there's a lot going on, like I wouldn't have known about like the Johnsons are like super pattern based and stuff yeah. without like talking to Gantz and like right. really having to break it down. But like there's some basic things that I've learned, like having a character filter. Like that yeah. was big bosses taught me that real easy. Yeah, I feel like um, the thing with the thing with watching is just like uh, you just get to see it in practice, and like mm-hmm. you sit here and talk about improv, mm-hmm. and but if you're not doing it, it's it's not really worth it. I always, I had a friend who always said like performing in a show is worth like five rehearsals. And I think like watching a show is the same thing. I always like say like, who do you like? Like who, who performs? You're like, I like that person. I want to be like that person. And then just watch them. Yeah. And even like when they're not on stage, like if you're that, if you're at that point where you're just like, fuck, I like this dude. I like this girl. She's, she's like really good. I'm going to watch her. I even want to watch her when she's off stage and see like what she doing and how she reacting and like how, in t- how involved they are in the scene. Like that's the one thing that really bugs me is when people who aren't on stage aren't is still involved in the scene. Cause like the show is, the show is always, even when you're not on the stage, like you need to be involved. Cause that's when edits are missed. That's when something happens on stage that everyone's going to like latch onto and you don't know it because you were kind of just leaning against the wall and you're just like, you're a step behind everyone now, mm-hmm. you know? You can't bring it back later because you weren't paying attention. You weren't paying attention or someone does bring it back and you don't get it. You don't get yeah, it. Yeah, you're like, what's happening in this scene? Well, then, we, yeah, exactly. 100%. Like, uh, how, how, uh, how funny was it, uh, when, uh, Taylor said, elaborate. <laughs> he had this show the other day, and like someone had said something. And it was the original scene was Taylor was the guy with the new number. Yeah, yeah. I invented like, a new number and elaborate. And he and just goes huge elaborate, laugh. huge laughs. And then like a, a while later, Taylor was in this, this situation. Someone was like, "I have a new word," and yeah. Taylor took a beat and he sat down. and He was like, "Elaborate," and it also got a huge laugh. And that's just the kind of thing. Like, if you hadn't said elaborate, that's not a wrong move. But the right but move is saying elaborate. It's, it's not right or wrong. It's just like the, yeah, the audience gets that. Like, I don't, I don't like to say that there's a wrong choice. I mean, there's that's fair. a million things going on. But, like, that's the thing. Like, that's that next level shit where the audience is like, fuck, 
How do they think about that? How do they think about that? It's like, oh, it's paying attention. It's super easy. Yeah. I watched that scene and I can redo that scene. Because it was what we did. Yeah. I knew for sure. And I remember uh, Aaron came out and she was like, you're going to do the the eating thing. So he came whispered to me. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, don't whisper to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, no, like, no. It, was yeah, it was like, it was really obvious. That was the choice. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then and Scott was freaking out about that scene because it was exactly what he wants. Oh, I totally, I totally figured that out. That's yeah. like right up Scott's alley. Yeah. And it, it, what's really funny too is how important the house team has been for my growth. Like I've never been in a scene like that. I've never brought something back and yeah. like to, to be in a situation where it's like, so natural. We don't practice that specifically. It just worked, and it was just. And like, that's yes. It's, that's a thing. I'm so excited for this run. It's it's been so much fun. I yeah, have the best team. Yeah, it's like everyone's. Uh, everyone kind of talks about like practicing all that stuff, and that's like you have to watch it and see how like how do you bring <clears throat> those back or uh, like one thing uh, I always say, and this might be wrong, but like if I do something like a character, like I never, I try to avoid bringing my own characters back. Mm-hmm. And it's always funny when, like, something's done enough that someone else, like, initiates a scene that's going to bring that character back. Like, I feel like, I feel like, I'll throw it out there, and if it's good enough, like, the team will pick up on it. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I'm just always bringing back my own shit, that's just, like... He's the guy who brings I'm in, I'm in my, I'm in my own, yeah. I'm in my own game where I'm just, like, doing my thing. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, because somebody... Although someone probably listens to be like, bullshit, Jim. You do this all the time. And I'm like, all right, maybe I do, but I try not to. The wishful intention is not to. Right. But right. yeah, sometimes I guess sometimes you have to. I mean, yeah. sometimes something is super, is like just super good. And like, it just is obviously going that way, but... You know, because yeah, that's because the character who the new word, new 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 number, new word, that was Taylor's original character, and someone else brought it back. Right, someone back. Yeah, Jesse brought back like this is the word. Yeah, and yeah. then Taylor's like, oh, we're dropping all these names. Like, are people in India who listen to your podcast gonna know what we're talking about? The India people, yeah, they they know everything. They do. Yeah, they watch all the shows. They watch the live feed. Every, yeah, everything. I have like a, I have a camera right here, and they uh, see everything. That Facebook Live. Yeah. How weird would that be to do like Google Glasses and just like <laughs> oh stream my life, just stream like no an improv set. Oh, like all eight people on the screen on the team have Google glasses and then you're at your monitor and it's like the Brady bunch with like, that would, that'd be so weird. And then the coach could watch this and they'd be like, what are you looking at? Jonathan? Like your eyes are like looking into the audience. It's like, you pay attention to what's going on stage. Ooh, that would would be super busted. Sorry, coach. (laughs) I definitely am guilty of that. I don't know. I think, um, yeah, I, like I said, I think the big thing is just this team and this experience. Yeah. Having a coach and, like, being with people who are playing my strengths. Like, they, they, they were very intentional about yeah. setting the team up. So, like, I think that's just been really good. Yeah. And, like, because when I was doing indie stuff, it was like, who can I get on my team who will show up to more than one show? <laughs> I love everyone I perform with, but it was, like, it was hard to get people to consistently come out. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, Casey, Ben, a couple other people, like... Indie team, real indie team. Yeah, yeah. It was so funny because I was like, well, what's next? And then. What is next? How did you start with performing? With performing? I like what you do with your finger there. <laughs> little, <laughs> little mystical, magical thing. <laughs> uh, I was walking on the downtown mall in Charlottesville in 2003, and there was just this uh, one of these little tab, call this number tab things yeah, at the yeah. bottom, bottom improv. And I called it, and uh, this lady had uh, Jen Horn, who's still still in Charlottesville, was, she had been at Whole World in Atlanta, which is like a short form improv theater. And they had had a show on Turner South 
Uh, they were right across the street from like the Turner Studios, so Turner like Turner execs would be over there drinking and watching their shows, and so they would basically like film their shows all week and then edit into a half an hour short form show. Interesting. Yeah, and so uh, I called her and I took classes, and uh, for like two or three months, it was just me and this other girl and the instructor, and that was it. And we went through and we just like learned their the way they taught improv. And they all did this. She was all about short form. So it was like they, she taught us these, we had like five lessons and then it was just like learning games. And then over the course of the year, more people joined. And then like 2000, I want to say January, 2004, um, we did our first show and we did shows for a while at this Jamaican restaurant. That was super cool. And, uh, it got to the point where like the people who ran the restaurant would always have like fried plantains for me after the show. And be like, because I was like, after every show, I'd be like, pint of Guinness and fried plantains. And uh, they ended up closing down because the guy who owned the place wanted to, like, it was one of these Charlottesville de- developer types. Mm-hmm. So he, like, just kicked them out and, like, rented out to a snooty French restaurant. And it's been, like, a different restaurant every year since then. Like, it's just awful. Interesting. Uh, and then um, I was with them until 2008. And then I uh, quit doing improv to do stand-up. And then, uh, like early 2009, I got back into improv because some of the people I'd worked with were like missing working with me and asked me to do like a long form project. I had never really done long form. So I just kind of like, like reading like McNapier's book, Improvise, which is probably like, if anyone's like, that's the one book I feel you should read. Everything else is just repetitive. And Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I just feel like improv books are kind of like, it's real simple. We don't need a million books about this. Uh, so I just tried to figure out like, well, what is long form? How do we do this? And, um, and then when they had auditions here coalition in 2011, I went for it because I'd seen maybe one or two coalition shows and I liked what they were doing. Uh, was not a big fan of like short form and I thought it was just time for me to, to move on and, uh, yeah, auditioned and made the team. It was like the only time, it was the only time I ever auditioned for something where I was like not worried at all. Really? I know it makes me sound like a jerk. But no, I'm like, I mean, if you, if you, I'm like, I think I can do this. You, you've been doing it for eight years time wise, but like six years total of actively doing it. I guess so. That sounds like a, a good place to be confident. Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. Oh my gosh. I've been yeah. like, I've been like beating myself up for this, but yeah, I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. And I did. I had a great audition, like a lot of fun. And there's like, I don't know, I have this, I don't know if, I don't know if other improvisers have this, but I can just remember like really good scenes from forever ago. And like, we just, the, in the, in the audition, we had this scene where me and this other guy were like, army, like the plastic green army men and we were under attack, but he, I was like the dude with the phone. So like, there was nothing I could, I was just this army dude with a phone. He's just like, we got it. He's like, I don't know what, to, I, can't, I can't help you. All I've got is this phone. I can call someone, but I can't shoot. And then some guy came in, the crawling dude came in, and, and then the, the scene got edited. Just describing that sounds hilarious. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it was just like it. making like a weird choice, like, fuck it, we're army dudes. Yeah. I, I love that. That's so funny. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's like, it's like you don't not be afraid to get weird or anything. I'm going to let you ask you questions. We're talking way too much oh, about no. improv. I mean, yeah. I, I, the thing, is, the funny thing is with the show, I don't prepare anything. Uh, I was going to tell you, like, just come up with all the questions. I'll just answer whatever question you ask, and we can just make it like a special four-parter where I just talk to you until midnight. We just like, <laughs> yeah. Everyone really, you really set an hour every every week. And, like, <laughs> yeah. here it is, continuing. Here's week four of gym. Yeah. So here's what I liked about college. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like um, 
like I quit the first time I stopped doing improv. I was just like bored with it, and I started doing stand up. And so was that the first time you did stand up in two thousand eight? Yeah, yeah. So the first time I, mean, I did stand up. Okay, so wait, hang on, hang yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. My my like understanding, which is all uh, me assuming, was that you've been doing comedy for years. I mean, probably before I was born. I mean, it's fifteen years now, so. It, but still, I I figured like. I wish I wish I, I I wish I could have I wish when I was like, eighteen, like I had known that all this was possible. So what did you? What were you doing from eighteen? I was wasting to, my life. Just doing nothing. Trust me, I was I was married. Uh, I was I like married. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and I had just taken, like, jobs to, like, help pay, like, not pay, but to support us while she was in grad school. And then, uh, yeah, it was just kind of, like, not doing anything, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then I feel like, because uh, people always say, like, I don't understand why you guys were married. And I was like, well, you know Improv Gym, so that person's way different than before Improv Gym. Mm-hmm. And I feel I always tell people like there's definitely I'm definitely a different person from like when I started doing improv, and then I got different when I started doing stand up, and then even when I moved here, I was in 2013, and I feel like between 2013 and 2000 and now I'm a completely different person, and yeah. I'm just constantly trying to push myself to grow. Um, but I started doing stand up. There was someone who just uh, well, there's two things. One was someone put an ad in the Charlottesville Weekly. It was like I'm doing a fundraiser i've got a comic coming down from baltimore but i need some people to do like five minutes and i was like yeah sure i'll do this and i did like five minutes of stand-up and then six months later same guy he's like you want to do it again i was like yeah i did another fundraiser and i was like you know what i'm feeling really confident i want to do like a full hour special five minutes five minutes 60 minutes 60 minutes and so i went and this is to anyone who's just like Anyone who's bitches about stage time or anything or stuff, just, I went out and I found a place that would let me, I found a bar. I was like, I'd like to do a stand-up show here. Can I use your bar space? And they were like, sure can. And I charged five bucks a head and I gave myself six months. Over six months, I wrote, and this is the Charlottesville. There are no open mics. There's no place for me to test my material. I didn't even know about Richmond stand-up comedy yet. So I wrote like 15 pages or whatever of stand-up and I would have friends over once in a while and go through it and get their approval. And then, uh, the night of the show, someone, this woman who had done five minutes with me, those two, I asked her to open her. She did 20 minutes, you know? So like, she's like doing an insane amount of comedy. And then I did 90 or 60 minutes. I taped it. I made 90 bucks. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to hear from anyone that like comedy is hard. It's like, I did, a you did sh- comedy in no comedy town. I did comedy in no time. And then, uh, a little after that, I was like, I really want to do this, but I clearly maybe don't know what I'm doing. So I put an ad on Craigslist and I was like, who wants to do stand up? Contact me. And some dude contacted me who went to UVA and had been doing comedy in DC when he, he lived up in that area. I had some guy who drove up from Lynchburg every Sunday and we would just meet every Sunday and go over our material and give each other notes. And there were like two other dudes who had done stand up, So it was kind of nice to get this feedback from people who had done it before. And we did a, we did a show every month. And I, by the time I stopped doing it, we were doing like four or five shows a month. Wow. And I just got sick of it. Yeah. It was just like, I got to come to all these shows. And like, I saw so much bad stand up that I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Um, <laughs> and so then, uh, yeah, so stand-up's cool. I don't mind stand-up, but, uh, improv and, like, just getting on stage and, like, one-person sketch shows or improvised sketches. Are kind like of a one-person show? 
Yeah, I did. Uh, I remember. I remember you told me about that. You, 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 there was a night where you were testing that or something. Uh, yeah, I saw that. So last year, February, I did a one-person show at the Coalition. Uh, that it was all sketches I had written and did tech with and everything, and it went great. The only problem is, like, if you do like an hour and ten-minute show, like, it's kind of hard to like not know people and like try to get other theaters to like bring mm-hmm. you in. So then I kind of just started working on like an improvised half an hour. And I just get, like, a suggestion from the audience. I do five-minute monologues. I do, like, four of those. And it's, like, an improvised one-person show. Yeah. And then, um, like, the next step is I do... My current show is called Wisconsin Laugh Trip. And it can go... If I only have 20 minutes, I can do it 20 minutes. If you give me an hour, I can go for an hour. Uh, and I just kind of, like, have pieces that I add. And, like, there's improv parts and written parts. And, and that's um, what you've been touring with? Uh, I mean, touring is a touring. bit, yeah. I mean, I've been doing it wherever I can. So I was in Brooklyn and that's touring. I mean, I, 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 just, I, I took a train to Brooklyn, did the show and came back. And then two weeks later I flew to a festival in California and then flew back. And then Sunday, Saturday, I'm going to Chapel Hill and driving back. So that's not really a tour. It's <laughs> like, like I'm catching, my goal has been to do, honestly, it's where I'm, where I want to be. My goal was this year to do a show on the road once a month. Ooh. And so far uh so Saturday will be my Saturday will be my third show on the road and it's the third month of the year, so my math checks out. I'm on pace. Twelve twelve on the road shows. Twelve road shows, yeah. And trying to space them out as best you can. I mean I'm trying to do one a month. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But okay. That's really cool I did though. two in January, so we'll count it. Was it later in January? Or the yeah, early? the one was like twenty seventh, so oh, it was yeah, almost yeah, February. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, so um it's just kind of like I feel like um, I've always had I've always had trouble finding what I wanted to do. Like it wasn't really stand up. Improv is cool, and I don't mind improv, but like getting on stage and creating is just where it's at. Yeah, for me. Interesting. Yeah. Because that, that that I guess that really resonates with me because I'm also I was in that boat. Not, yeah. Not was obviously I'm still am, but like, what do I want to do? What do I want to spend my time on? Yeah. And like <clears throat> the whole reason that the show started, I was in this really weird relationship and then when I we split I was like oh I realized I didn't have an identity like I completely lost myself in this other person sure 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 and so that's when I started doing this show that's when I started taking improv classes trying to get serious about like <clears throat> writing music and stuff really just trying to like you know like get out there and do these things so I can figure out what I like yeah. and what I want to do so I, I feel that I feel no like that that's, no that's totally it I mean that's how I felt like after I got divorced I was just like I'm gonna do everything that I want to do and I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah. And uh, it's weird. Like I get opportunity. Like opportunities just come my way, and like <clears throat> just like saying no to stuff just because I don't want to do it. And we're like, well, that was kind of an opportunity. That might be an opportunity. It's like, well, I don't want to do it, so I'm not going to do something I don't want to do. Um, I'm gonna. And then like figure out what you want, and then how do you want to attain that? So like, yeah, it sounds like so you're doing all this stuff, but you don't necessarily have like what you want to do mm-hmm. and I want to just keep doing it. And that's going to reveal itself. Yeah. I mean, I always thought like, I always knew I kind of wanted to do like a one person show, which seems like stand up, but it's obviously a little different, but it's just like, I don't know how to do it. Like, what does that even mean? Like ego wise, it's just like me being on stage. I get that. Mm-hmm. But like, what goes into making it? And luckily, like we've had a few people who've come through with one person shows that I got to watch and be like, Oh, okay. I see what they're doing here. Um, but it's another thing where it's just like, you can really do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Like, 
in comedy, what I'm learning is obviously it helps to be good, but there's no really like you have to do this. You have to like obviously for stand up, like you have to you have to know how to write a joke or you have to at least know how to engage an audience. But there aren't rules mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, if I want to go out and just like improvise for 20 minutes and just do characters, then I can do that. I did that last year at a festival and like the guy who headlined the festival was just like, I was really nervous because I didn't think, I don't think I could do that. And I was worried that you couldn't. I was like, well, thanks for believing me. No, but I know <laughs> he was great. It was great. It's nice to like hear people who like, who you respect and who are good or be like, that was really, that was really good. But it's like, you have to put in the work to get to that point. Like, um, I would say, always do stuff that scares you. Like as soon as being on a house team, as soon as like every Saturday, it's not like giving you that improv boner, fucking stop doing it. Yeah. And just go to the next thing that scares you. Like that's like all the shows I do. Like when we did, um, hi there, like I was like, Oh, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, like every show that I've done, like as a, as a run, I've been kind of like nervous that it wasn't going to work. Yeah. And then like, we just pulled it off. Yeah. I killed it. Or like my one person show. I was like a wreck. So, um, like two, like maybe a week after I had contacted the theater, like, Hey, I'm working on my one man show. You've been seeing me doing it at the lab. Like I would work out pieces of the lab. I'm like, I'm ready to put this together. Can we do it in like February? And they gave me a date. And then, uh, a couple days later I ate a pot brownie and it was one of these, this guy, like, is this okay? Like yeah, my yeah, mom's not going to hear this. Right. Uh, I mean, this is uploaded publicly. So. Okay. So my mom, mom, sometimes I've had pot. I ate this pot brownie. <laughs> And it was super strong, and I just, like, was laying in bed and having nightmares about this show. And I just woke up, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, you idiot? Like, you can't do this. This is stupid. And I was like, wait a minute. I can do anything. And, uh, yeah, it went great. It was fabulous. So, like, almost sold out, maybe, like, two or three three seats. And, like, all my former students were there, and a bunch from, like, brought flowers. And it was just, like, so beautiful. That yeah, so great. It was so great. How long was that show? It was like an hour and 15 minutes. Like the first half of the first 45 minutes or so was like sketches I had written. And then the second half of the show was um, basically the, the premise of the show was that when I was in grade school, I had a, I had a uh, teacher who said I was no good at art. And like, I always let that fuck with me mm-hmm. and I believed it. And then I was just like, once I found improv, I'm like, no, I'm pretty good at art. And so I kind of want other people just like to encourage them to do stuff. So, uh, I had someone who like, I gave them a book with like some colored pencils and had them draw while I was performing. And then I had someone like write poetry and then read it when they were done. And then I just had someone get on stage. It was Nicole Nielsen. I said, I just need someone who hasn't done improv. I'm going to give you like a two minute improv lesson. And then we're going to do like a 15 minute improv set. Interesting. And Nicole, oh Nicole had taken my stand-up <clears throat> class, but had never taken any improv. Mm-hmm. And she got on stage, and we did like this two-minute, two-minute improv workshop, like improv 101. And then we did our set. You should ask her about it. I would love to. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. I think it, I think it's still online somewhere. I taped the whole night. That has to be really. Obviously, for you, that had to be like a really awesome show. It was so awesome. I also, I guess, my first thought because I had been through something similar was like how that must have impacted Nicole. Like that must have like sent her on like ridiculous trajectory. Because I know she's, she's been up, she's been unbearable lately, hasn't she? It's she been, just like uh, I performed with Jim once. You know, I'm the same way. I did Pajar Plus One before I had even taken the stage on my one on one showcase, and I right. won't stop talking about it. I'm incessant. Right. Yeah. And Nicole's like Pajar. 
<laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it was just like a thing where, um, like, what's the next thing that I have to do? Like, what's the next thing I can't do that I'm going to do? Damn it. So real quick, the yeah. one man, the one man show, are you doing, you're doing that, that's, that's what you're taking on the road. Uh, what I'm taking on the road is this kind of, it's not that original show. Cause that was like too long. Like right now, like, um, I've got like some characters that I do, uh, and, um, I do like, I make up a song on the road. And then usually what I try to do is I, um, I go to a thrift store in the town I'm in and I try to find something in the thrift store. To bring on stage, or? to bring on stage, to do it. Like last time when I was in California, I found a luchador mask, and so I put the luchador mask on, and I did like a like a luchador um, life coach. <laughs> and there's this one lady. She was just like, she was like, I hate my job. I'm uh, something in the legal department. And I'm like, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to be a costume designer. And I was just like, who in this room needs a costume designer? And like ten people. And I was like, talk to these people. And when I come back this summer you better be a costume designer. And <laughs> someone came up to ask me and she's like, yeah, I'm a burlesque dancer. I gave my card to that girl to oh, talk about it. That's the best. I'm right. It's just like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Like, I don't know why people are miserable. It's like, as soon as I'm miserable, I leave. Yeah, you do something different. I'm going to go do something different. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's the kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of the thing, like that corporatist thing where they want you to think that you don't have any options. Yeah, but you have plenty of you options. You have plenty of options, and you just have to take the risk and believe in yourself. They just don't want to replace you. They can. They can. Oh, my God. You're so replaceable. So. Everyone believes, like, the, like, fuck, the machine goes on. All right, I've quit every job I've ever had and moved on, and they replace me. Office Depot is still a thing. Depot like, they're still a thing. Down. The University of Virginia is not going anywhere if I leave. Mm-hmm. The coalition's not going anywhere if I leave. Technically, no. Uh, technically, no. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. No, I mean, seriously, everyone thinks they're indispensable. And what sucks is they think they're indispensable at stuff that sucks. Yeah. Like, oh, man, this, like, how, you ever work retail? Yeah. There's always that guy who's like, man, if I quit this place, man, dude, if you quit this place, they'd, re- they'd replace you by tomorrow. They'd be like, hey, does that guy still work here? Yeah, does that guy still work here? And that guy. Like, who, like six months later, like, is he still here? Because they wouldn't even notice you. That guy who worked retail for 20 years? What the <laughs> fuck is your problem? I think that's Wait, the, where'd you work? <clears throat> what? Where'd you work? Frito? I mean, I've worked plenty of places. Pennies, um, a couple other stores like that. I think, I think, just like department stores, really. Okay. I mean, does retail extend to like restaurants and stuff? You know, department stores, like, you should work at a department store and be like, fuck, if I quit this place to go out of business, and then like, they probably will go out of business. Just because, like, some guy, some guy store. at Toys R Us probably quit Toys R Us a month ago. He's like, man, if I quit this place, this shit's going under, and then they quit, and he thinks it's because of him. I told you! I told you! I told you! It's look, like, look, at them, look at me! Look at me. I was, fuck Jeffrey the giraffe. That was all me. I got a job at Belk now. I got Belk, man. And now he's going to quit Belk like oh. two years, and that's place going to go under. Poor Belk. Ugh. He's a disease. He's a disease. It's funny, though, because you, you, you say that, and like that's like a really like, inspiring thing. Yeah. But you've always been, because <clears throat> it's been, for me, it's been being in Richmond. So when I graduated college, I moved to Richmond. Yeah. That, that's, that's what you do. Where'd you go? For, where'd you graduate? University of New Orleans. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you I, know? Yeah, you know. Oh, my God, the Buzz Williams connection. Wait, who? Do you know Buzz Williams? He's the basketball coach at Virginia Tech. And before that, he was the basketball coach at Marquette. Uh-huh. But before that, he was the basketball coach at the University of New Orleans. Really? And quit after Hurricane Katrina, and it was like a big thing oh. about like his contract and stuff. Ooh. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry, Buzz. Yeah. No, Buzz. Buzz came out fine. I mean, yeah, yeah. obviously. You All right. So you moved to Richmond. <laughs> so I moved to Richmond. Sorry. 
Um, so I realized that, that I hadn't really established anything. Because I, I was in, you, when you're in school full-time, working full-time, that's it. There's yeah, no yeah, yeah. for any of that bullshit. So, like, I moved here, kind of figured out, got in this relationship. I was convinced I was about to get married. So for all <laughs> intents and purposes, I was, you know, that person who was married. And then when they got out of it, everything fell apart. But then, like, it was so much better. Right. And then I was in this relationship with this woman who was super, like, emotionally abusive. She's like, just like put down all these things about me that, like, I loved on myself. Yeah. And it was, like, once I got out of that, then it was just, like, this rebuilding. And it's, like, being... And this is where you come in. Being confident in who I am and, like, being okay with that and not, like, trying to hide it from people. Like, I like this band. I don't want to tell people because they don't think it's cool. And now yeah. it's just, like, I don't give a fuck. I like this band. If you don't like this band, then maybe you're doing something wrong. When it's realistically a band that no one, like, really likes or something. Yeah. So that, to me, in my journey through... Really, because it's, it's so funny, because, like, my coalition experience has just been the steady rise. Right. Whether it's in the community or just for me. Yeah, yeah. This this feeling of, like, confidence. Yeah. And it's like, when you're dependent on other people and all those other things, that doesn't happen. But when you actually can take root and say, like, this is me, and I'm, I'm a, I have my own foundation. I don't need someone yeah. to hold me up, kind of thing. And and to, to bring it back, like, that's something that you've, you've really kind of been a beacon for of yeah. several people, of just, like... Be yourself. It's great. Shut up. That's true. 100% true. Um, well, thank you. But yeah, part you of do, it... You do a lot of weird shit. I do a lot of, I do a lot of great shit. I don't know if it's weird. <laughs> See, that, that, that's exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. That's exactly it, what I'm talking about. It's great stuff. It's not weird. But it's like, uh, yeah, I feel like... Uh, you have to be the you know the captain of your soul, the master of your fate, all that bullshit. Exactly. But um, yeah, if you don't believe in yourself, then it's not going to happen. And... Uh, yeah, part of it was, like I said, when I, when I got divorced, it was just like, what are you going to do now? Like, you can do you can do anything. And this is like going out and doing it. And then the, the more successful you are, the more you're willing to take those risks and, like, do these weird concept things and, like, doing a one-person show. And, uh, like, right before, right the week, <laughs> so the week I was just like, this is over. I'm divorced. I was driving home to Milwaukee, where I'm from. And uh, I was in the Milwaukee Comedy Festival. My parents, my parents had never seen me perform. My dad did not get a chance to see me, but uh, my mom got to see me perform for the first time. I did stand up, and for me, I mean, if you talk, if you ask anyone, I'll say this every time I get off stage. I'm like, I was kind of, I thought it was kind of shitty, mm-hmm. but you know, my mom, my brothers were there, and they loved it. And then I had a friend from college who was there, and he's just like, you know, you were always kind of funny, but I never thought I'd see you just being on stage in front of like a hundred people and just like completely dominating the room. And I was just like, kind of, that's when it hit me like how far I've actually come and how much I've changed Mm -hmm. and just being like having that confidence. And the confidence is kind of funny. Um, like coming with being Ellie and just like that, like that so much confidence came from that Mm -hmm. and just being out as this, as, as, uh, as my, my femme self and now it got to the point where it's like, man, I'm kind of obnoxious and confident even when I'm not dressed yeah, up. Yeah. But it's it's definitely a thing where there it is almost a different personality. And, like, there is still more confidence. Like, things don't bother me as much. Uh, I noticed that a couple weeks ago I was just talking to someone. And I was just crossed out. And I'm like, you know what? We can talk about this and it's not making me pissed off. Like, I don't know if it's, like, a power thing or mm-hmm. a control thing. Like, I feel more control. Because I'm definitely presenting myself the way I want to be presented, yeah. As opposed to having to just be what I what everyone expects you to be. Um, but yeah, you should definitely you should definitely like push yourself to like do things. Like I said, like um, a lot of times, like 
I always say, like, if you're doing comedy, like, what's your goal? Like, what's your, what's your, what's, what could you finally do to be like, that's what I wanted out of this? And it might be, like I said, mo- I would say most people at the coalition don't have this goal to be like paid, yeah. paid actors. I mean, who wouldn't want to, I mean, I wouldn't really want to be in a sitcom, but who wouldn't want that end goal? But like, who's like working for that? So like, what do you, what do you want to work for? What do you want of this? If you just want to be like community theater dude who like does his show every other week. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, do your but thing. If you if you really want something, like just figure out how to make that happen. And yeah, you've definitely been a person who's been more like not using the place, but like doing more with what yeah, opportunities. Using the place is, is correct. That I don't want to say using it like yeah. No, that it. no, I would say the same thing. Okay. So um the like one of the big things with improv is uh we don't get paid as performers. No. And uh I've heard people not just people in general, not like coalition people. Yeah, There's yeah. not like a uprising at the coalition. But you know, people complain. They're like, "Well, we're not getting paid," and it's just like, "Well, yes, they're you're performing there and they're making money off of that, but you have to. It's perfectly okay for you to use that for your own for your own ends. Like, like what are you doing with the time that oh, you get on stage? Yeah. Like, you're on stage. What are you doing with it? How are you using that to get to where you want to go? Like, you can't just sit there and, like, complain that you're not getting paid and be like, oh, they sold out a show and I didn't get anything. It's like, yeah, but what did you do? Yeah. Like, did you did, did you go out there and, like, did three people come up to you after the show and been like, good shit. That was really good. I really liked what you did. Are you making, are you making the most of your opportunity? Um, and I think that's the thing that people, for me, it's like, yeah, the payment in improv is having a place to play. I've done improv in, like, bars. I've done improv in bars where, like, you show up your one Thursday a month that you're doing a show there, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's tonight, isn't it? And you're like, fuck you dudes, man. We come here the third Thursday of every month, and you guys never promote it, and no one shows up, and then you're mad at us because no one showed up. It's like, your restaurant is here, you know, every day of the week. You could put up a poster or two, you know. Uh, so, yeah, the opportunity is just being able to, like, go to the coalition and be like, I'm doing this. And then being able to do my weird ideas. Like, when yeah. we were doing two shows a month at Gallery 5, they can be like, oh, we're going to give one of these shows to Jim's weird idea. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, now we've got, like, six shows a week and we have to fill. So, yeah, weird ideas are welcome. I mean, yeah. I, I had a show. <laughs> this All right. When you said I do a lot of weird things. Here it comes. Here it comes. Uh, that you probably like, I remember it was a great night. We used to do this show called cool stepdad and cool stepmom. And I played both the stepdad and stepmom. And for cool stepdad, we had cool stepdads, take your son and daughter to work day. And my stepson is Jonathan yeah. Nelson. And, uh, my job, it turns out, and it was revealed for this episode is, is that I'm a porn producer. <laughs> and so I went on to Craigslist LA and put a post in for writers that I was like, I'm starting a small uh, porn website that focuses really on the stories and the porn parodies. And I just wanted sample writing for people. Like, you pick the you pick the show you want to parody, you give it a porn parody title, and you give me like five pages. And you know what? If we like it, maybe we'll call you about like writing a full script for us. <laughs> and so I got like four <clears throat> scripts in. And then I cast... This, 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 the, scripts. the, the scripts. And we did like little sketches with me and Jonathan where him and I were bonding. But then between each of those, I would get my cast on stage and we would do live reads of these porn sketches, these porn scripts. My favorite was Tropic Thunder Cunt. <laughs> that was really good. Um, and yeah, like we can do that because we have six shows a week. 
and uh, we need some some shows. We need shows, and uh, well, I guess Jim's Jim's done okay with the shows he's done. So let's let's take a chance on this weird idea. And that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, like do your weird stuff, but like come through. Like, there's nothing worse than going to a show and like it's kind of mailed in and half-assed. Yeah. And then it's like, no, you've got to if if it's your first show, if like you. If you come to the theater and you're like, hey, I'm Jonathan, I'm on a new house team, and I want to do this crazy idea, and they say okay, then you better put everything into it and, like, not, like, half-ass it. Because, again, if you you half-ass and put on a shitty show, not only does it make it harder for you next time, but now everyone else who comes up with an idea is like, well, we took a risk on that Jonathan dude, and he kind of didn't give a shit about it. First show I saw was KGB. It was amazing. Maybe want to do improv. Okay. So, like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, For, yeah that, that's someone's first show. So you better do it, and they did it right, yeah. Like Joe DiMaggio used to say. Like, he's like, I go out there, man, there might be someone, this is the only time they get a chance to see me. Like, Ooh. this might be their only time they get to a Yankees game to see <clears> the great <throat> Joe DiMaggio, and I'm going to go out there and give it my all. Ooh. And I, I don't think I'm like the Joe DiMaggio of improv or anything, but, like, if I'm going to come up with an idea, like, we're going to go mm-hmm. crazy, and we're going to push it, and we're going to do a good job at it. I say that's, that's really, that resonates with me, because I'm going to be... I might be doing a show. Yeah. And so, like, I'm, like, motivated to, like, put more into it. What's your show idea? The show idea is doing a live podcast. Oh, real original, dude. Yeah, right? Yeah, a live podcast. Are you going to Largo? (laughs) Yep. No, um, I don't have any good ideas like that. Is it this podcast? No, it it would be for the theater. It would be under the moniker of the coalition. I see. So, I could host it. I think I can get a better host, but... I'd like to just really focus on the people there and having it, making it, putting on a good show. So, like, what would it wouldn't be just like an interview? It would be multiple people basically kind of doing kind of interview a little bit. So, like, right. if it was, uh, we're we're gonna be testing it out in the refinery, uh, which is what that's for. I think be characters and stuff. There's there's an idea to do characters, so, but also I like the idea of just bringing on performers, and letting right. them be themselves, and right. roll that. We could do a character based show because I mean, then you're just like comedy bang bang. Exactly, right. and then it's like. Um, yeah, I don't want to be a truck too hard. I like the idea because I've had the, the thing. I've, the reason I wanted to do it because um, I found success with this show. Again, not preparing. I prepared yeah. nothing for this. Yeah. It's, no, it's obvious. Yeah, sure. Ooh. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> so I just feel like that's kind of the best when uh, when you just have like vulnerable moments on on a show, and so yeah. like bringing out five people one at a time, and then eventually all at the same time. Yeah, um, letting just having interaction, like seeing people who. have like let's say let's just say I did like a show we well, we did, we got the show we're doing it and then I had like the founders on one episode and then like another episode was just the people on the Johnsons for example uh-huh. like, they have this this I, they have this way of communicating that would be really fun to like yeah. interact with like any live podcast I've listened to like they know each other right and it's like you kind of are in on that a little bit and it's yeah. fun and it's like it's like I don't know the the thought process was like oh maybe because people like podcasts so like yeah. you put this out and they market it and like people listen to it they might come to the theater and like want to see I want to see the, I heard the Johnsons episode I want to come see the perform or whatever yeah. and you could ask them like tough questions like you get the Johnsons and be like who does everyone hate who's and the Johnsons hate? yeah the first person comes on who does everyone hate who's everyone hate and, then, hate? Like, and then you bring them in and none of them know none of them know no that exactly see right. I think that would be super fun to just do something like that yeah. really just to promote the theater do a good show with the theater and like set them set it up so yeah that's the idea for my show and Katie's like I like it because I guess they had tried to do something coalition themed a podcast like Dustin did and Adam did something like that maybe yeah so 
I don't know. I've, I've, done, I've been doing this. Is this will be the thirty third episode that I've done? Wow, really? Yeah. How come I've never even seen this? Because I well, for me, I don't market it because I don't want it. I don't want to be that that guy who's uh, like you're that anti marketing marketer. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you you heard about it before I even told you. Yeah, because so working. Well, Emily was just like Emily thinks you hate him. <laughs> and and I was like, I kind of do, but if I was on this podcast, maybe we'd find common ground. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, I definitely, uh, um, I definitely think I've proved myself. Because um, I think one of the things you probably thought about me was this kid's a little full of himself. Dude, everyone who does, everyone coming out of classes is full of themselves. Exactly. Because like, I can do this. this is easy. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And I, I'm sure there was, after Indy team sets, I was like, I crushed it. I mean, there were some sets that I think I did a good job. And uh, yeah, you definitely were like, did you? And I'm like, oh, did you? Are you that good? good? No. So yeah. Good? So If it makes you feel better, I, I say the same things to myself. Yeah. Like, I'm always just like, I'll go home and just be like, oh, here's what sucked. Yeah. I, the thing that was funny with me is like, uh, when, you know, when you're just having fun, just try, trying to have fun. Like, yeah. When everyone's in that vibe, that's when the good shows happen. Right. But when you try to make a, a show good just by like, I know this move to do to make it like, stop it. Just Dude, like, no. I, yeah, I'm always just like, just have fun. And uh, just rely on, like, your improv instincts. Like, exactly. people, like, I always tell people, like, callbacks and, like, patterns, like, that's just, like, paying attention to what's going on around you. Like, there's, like, if you, you can't, and I'm sure other people disagree, but for me, it's like, you can't teach how to pattern. It's just that like, you have to teach yourself how to listen. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, the, the one team I'm coaching, um, Bad, Ragu. Bad Ragu, like, those guys all took improv 101 with me back, yeah. like, three years ago. Yeah. And they clearly have fun on stage, and like they're just lab sets of the the last couple of months that they've done. They're just like out there having fun, and like that's what's infectious, and yeah. like the audience gets that. They the other the last lab they did like two weeks ago, or yeah, it must have been like two weeks ago. We were at um Cezanne afterwards, and like two people came over from the lab, and it was like we just saw you over there. We thought you were great, and I was like, boom, dudes. Was that the was that the uh, set that had the wrapping paper contest? No, that was a little long ago. This one was, um, oh man. This is the one where Emily told you about the show. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. I didn't see that. Where, I saw the one before. Was yeah. The, that, the one before was the rack paper one, which is also good. And again, they the, were just having fun. The energy was so good. Yeah. I loved it. I was just like, but dude, if you love it and the people love it, like stop thinking about funny shit to say and just like have fun with your friends. Just react, react, react. Yeah. Speaking of podcasts, can I plug my new podcast? Absolutely. Plug it cool. we'll, we'll, I'll also do an intro of the show where I'll plug it and then we'll... Dude, we need to talk about intros. My intros always suck. Oh, really? I never know what to say. Although Ooh. I do have like, I do have advertising now. Oh, you have that? Shit, really? I made up an advertiser, but I've got <laughs> one. Um, but uh, hopefully I'll get it. I've uploaded tomorrow. Like I did it. Like I hate listening to myself. Mm-hmm. So like I did this interview and I'm like, I don't want to listen to it. I'm like called two people. I like, could just listen to this podcast and tell me if it's good. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, yeah, it's good. And I'm like, I'm going to put it up there and I'm going to like put it out like to improv groups on Facebook and be like, could you guys listen to this and give me feedback? And So you, you recently did a show. The I'm, first episode is the one you're talking about. The first episode is done and I'm probably going to upload it tomorrow. Okay. And I've got two other interviews that are already done. Um, and I've got a third one. I'm going to do another one on Saturday. So every time I go on the road, I try to interview someone. Oh, that's really cool. And it's that's basically really called really scene cool. makers. It's like people who either run improv theaters or run open mic nights. And I feel like, um, I love that people who perform like don't know all the shit that goes into it. Um, 
It's like uh, people like when I was running open mics, you get people, they just come and shit on the stage and just be like, oh, well, it's like, well, I got to get a phone call from the person who owns this restaurant tomorrow. Yeah. And be like, well, what was it with that person who was completely racist and shit? Interesting. Um, or, and no offense to, no offense to you, but yeah. I feel like, and not you specifically, but like for me, like the coalition has been kind of like this tree and like, like the people who were at the beginning and then like the early teams are like the roots and the trunk and like they were there. Like when it was like we we're just doing shit wherever, and now like the further it goes out, like some of you people at the far end of the branches, like all you just know is that there's this theater here, and you get to do on it, and you guys kind of not saying, and not, including it, 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 like they don't appreciate like all the work that went into yeah. what's going on, and like, hey, can you help us do this? It's like you know, you guys can show your own gumption, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, I remember at the summit they went over a little bit of history, and like yeah. I didn't know any of that, and so like yeah. I can't imagine having to go through that. Yeah. I, I learned it in 15 minutes, but that was six years. Yeah. And while they were doing that here, I was like in Charlottesville, like doing improv theaters and bar- the shows in bars. bars and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. um, we have a beautiful theater. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely, when I see sets that are just evolved, devolve into like the bluest bullshit, I'm just like, this place is a little bit better. Just maybe a little, maybe a little. I mean, I don't have any judging thoughts like that, but, <laughs> but so like for me, it's like, I want to talk to these people and be like, Hey, you know, like let's, I also feel like if you're running stuff, like there's like, especially like when I was in Charlottesville, like there were other people doing shows, but no one else was like, there wasn't anyone else who was also doing shows. I'd be like, Hey man, this kind of sucks, doesn't it? And so it's kind of like, let's just get these stories out there. And they're also, they're also kind of like inspiring. Like mm-hmm. the one, the the one tomorrow that I'm dropping is, um, Megan Wills who does stuff in Baltimore and just like, she loves it, you know, and just finding out like, man, you know, she's in a situation, she's trying to make it work, but she loves doing it. And that's great. And then I interviewed some people who do a pop-up up in Brooklyn that where I performed and they just like find a space to rent for four months and they turn it into a theater. And like, we were performing in like an office building in one of the offices hmm. and just didn't have anything in it. They set it up for like 30 people and we got the word out. My soul, my show sold out. It was great. It was like 30 people, probably in a room a little bigger than your bedroom here. Wow. And they were they were serving booze without a, without a liquor license. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was just like, this is amazing. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So it's just like meeting these people doing stuff. And then when I was in California, the woman who's running the theater out there, like used to teach at second city and was just like trying to make a go of it. And we're both, it was one of these things where like, she's just like, you're just going to fly out here. I'm like, I have points to fly out there for free. I just want to do this. And we just hit it off. And so great to see someone just like starting from scratch and like teaching everyone, like she's teaching everyone how to do everything. everything. And then she's like, I came out there and it was, she's just like, it's like when someone who's like, I used to teach a second city and they're just like, your workshop was amazing. And you're just like, fuck yes. Thank you. Uh, and the same thing, um, these people in Brooklyn, they, they did stuff at the magnet. They run this festival down in Tampa and they're just like, we're getting so much positive feedback from your workshop. And it's just like, that's it. It's fucking coming together. Yeah. But she's like, yeah, man, just figure out which one to do and go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So the, the show is called scene makers. The, the podcast is called scene makers. And yeah. like I said, it's just an interview with people who do, uh, who like set up shows and kind of do all that shitty work that sucks. That's awesome. Because I'm sure they have some good stories. Here's what's funny. I wanted to start talking to some open mic people because one of my things I'm always like, what's the best night that you've ever had? And then what's the worst night? And the worst night, the improv people are always like, I had this really bad show. Like, all these people I brought in were great and I had a bad show. So I want to get like some of these improv, these stand-up open mic people and be like, what's the worst night? 
Because I want to hear it. Because I know I've had my worst nights. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear someone else. Like, what's the worst night? Okay, so then what's your what's your best and what's your worst? Uh, the worst, the worst dude. Uh, there were two worst nights. One was this guy comes down. He's from Baltimore. He's not really, he's in town. He's in Charlottesville for business. He's like, I'm just here for business. What do you? It's like, that's fine, dude. It's an open mic. You can go up. He gets on stage. And this is like... 2010, 2011, and he's like telling Monica Lewinsky jokes. <laughs> and then he's holding the microphone and it's black and he makes a comment about big black, whatever. And then oh. he's like, oh, I guess it could be an Asian microphone. It's just like, what are you doing? Oh, no. He gets off. Then he goes to the bar and we do that. This is the best place we ever performed at 12th Street Tap House. They would have like 10, 15 beers on tap. It was great. And they would let me drink for free because it was the only night they had people in. He goes to the bar, gets up, orders a drink, drinks it, tells the bartender he doesn't like it and he wants a different one. And the bartender's like, well, I didn't really like your set, so you can just leave. <laughs> and so this guy leaves. I go to the bar and I hear all this story about this drink. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. It's an open mic. He's like, eh, it's not your fault. You know, I get it. So show ends like an hour later and then I do my usual post-show drinking and I start unloading my shit out. And this guy is in the parking lot waiting for me. And he's just like, Jim, I just got to tell you, and these guys were so rude. This guy, he tells me, he tells me the exact same story. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't run this place. So sorry. (laughs) Uh, And then (laughs) there was another night at the same place where, uh, a guy told a joke and this waitress just flipped out on him and just started yelling at him. Just mid set. She just starts yelling at him. She started yelling at him. I mean, the guy, it was a bad joke, saying, I'm sure. It wasn't a bad joke. He's one of these guys who's like super honest with, he's like super honest about himself and he's got an alcohol problem. Okay. And he's like going to AA and, uh, he's like, man, I thought I had a problem, but I go to AA and these dudes have real problems. He's like, like I get drunk three or four nights a week. And then he said what this guy at alcohol Anonymous had done. And it was fairly disgusting. And this waitress just like, no, you shut up. That's not funny. And they eventually worked it out. But like, as someone who runs a show, like to have the wait staff yelling at one of the comics, just like, that's like one of the worst. Oh, what am I supposed to do? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and best show, I mean, dude. There's so many good shows. Just good uh, vibes and good jokes. I mean, like I said, my my one person show was fucking magical. Um, yeah, having people do stuff oh, sounds awesome. It was it was so great. Uh, Stand up. I mean, I opened for Tig Notaro. That was cool. Uh, she didn't talk to me at all. Oh. She like showed up like right before I was supposed to go on stage and was like eating soup. And I'm like, oh, okay, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm not I'm not like a super hangout person. Like I've never opened for someone and be like, can I get a picture? And like, yeah, I don't I don't care. I'm not gonna forget. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to open for Tignataro, and if I get to the point in my life where I forget opening for Tignataro, like, the pitcher's not going to do me any good. Yeah. I'm like, no. That? No, Jim, that's Tignataro. I'm like, that's not a name. <laughs> like, yeah, well, technically it is. You know, like, so. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many. It's been so fucking great. I mean, to say, like, one thing was better than the other. Is, sure. Is, but those bad ones do stand out. Oh. So I'm hoping to hear, like, open my... There was a, you know what, a good, a bad night that was a good night is also in Charlottesville. We had this dude got drunk and we, it's this cool place. It was like this little jazz restaurant. Uh, and someone's telling jokes and this drunk guy got up and just got right in front of the stage and started yelling at, uh, the comic 
And I just got up and I'm like, I don't know who the fuck you think you are, but you need to stop this. And he goes, who the fuck are you? And someone in the crowd yells, that's Jim Zarling. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck yes. Oh my God. This is perfect. <clears throat> I could have asked for more. Uh, and then that place actually closed down because the guy who owned it was an accountant who was apparently like embezzling from all the other restaurants in town that he was an accountant for. Oh, Jesus. And him and one of the waitresses just disappeared <laughs> one day. And, like, we came in, someone texted me, like, do you have a show tonight at, um, I forget what the name of the place was. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, you might want to get down here. And, like, there's a sign on the door that says they're closed for, for temporarily. And then, like, we never heard of the guy again. Oh, oh my god! just, he was embezzling from, like, CNO, like, some really yeah, kind of yeah. schmancy restaurants. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Was, just, oh, wow. Okay. I was just like, you could have given me, you could give me way more than ten percent of the bar if you were stealing all this money. Like that's <laughs> all I would get. Like I'd maybe get like fifty to a hundred bucks. Yeah. On a Wednesday night for doing a show, I was like, this dude, you could just give me two hundred bucks a night if you were just stealing money from everyone else. <laughs> that's fucking jerk. Uh, I want to. I want. I want to live that life. Right. That embezzlement <clears throat> life. Yeah. No, the the life where you get all these stories, that's great. Put on shows and stuff. Just go do weird shit. Just go do weird shit. I mean, great shit. Great shit. I'm not I don't doing know, I don't know weird. weird. I don't know if it's weird. But I don't it's know great. why you're the one who said it was weird a while back. Um, well, that's like a really good transition. Um, we've reached the end of the show. Oh, we're, we're not doing the four-hour multiple podcast? No, I'm going to kick you out. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I'm sure you have work or something tomorrow. Ooh, yep. All right. Um, you can come on again in uh, 13 episodes, though. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the... Is that's that how the, we're going to mark every 13 episodes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so we'll do four hours and there's this one every 13. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would... We'd be like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, so I used the term weird yeah. to, for, for my last bit. Um, but it could mean great. It's up to you to determine what it means. Yeah. Um, what's the, you've been in my room for an hour. What's the weirdest thing in my room? There's a lot of weird shit. Oh man. I will, I will give you two. I will veto two of them. Um, if they've been said before, cause I, I really like variety. Is this a, is this a standard? Yeah. Everyone, everyone tells me what the weirdest. I mean, you know what's always weird is like hanging a state flag in your room. <laughs> but having, uh, two state flags and two country flags. Do you have another state flag that I'm missing? New Orleans and Virginia. Uh, New Orleans isn't a state. Ooh. City flag. What? City flag. Yeah. It's not a state flag. I have four flags in my room. I mean, that's kind of weird. Like, what do you, like, I imagine, like, one day we'll just see you in front of your American flag with, like, an MR, uh, like, an AR-15 and just be like, yeah, freedom. Um, also that you have, like, a whiteboard with, like, last year's NFL standings on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you went through the trouble, like, like, here's what I don't get. Like, I'm looking at this, and for you people okay. who are football fans... Like, you've got, the first thing is the NFC North, and then you listed it, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore, even though, like, anyone before the season would know, like, it put Cleveland at the bottom. Okay. Like, because Cleveland, Cleveland sucks. Uh, like, in the, in the uh, just below, in the NFC North, you've got that in the way you would have might preseason have picked it, even though injuries kind of change things there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of weird, considering we live in, like, the age of the internet, like, what is that all about? Why, why did do I pick the order? order? No, like, why do you have the NFL standings on a wall? Because I, I like the analog of it. I okay. like, um, I remember I saw this one picture once of some chalkboard in some random baseball stadium uh-huh. where they had the division and they sure. would erase it and they would rewrite it. Sure. And it was like, just having that, I don't have to, like, Google, like, oh, what are the standards? I can just be like, look, there it is. Okay. And also, I, just, yeah, just the analog was just, like, super, super. But nice. it's also the NFL. They only play one game a week, so it's not like you have to constantly be checking the standings. 100%. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there's no there's no good reason other than I just felt like because otherwise you know I wouldn't pay attention. I don't know I don't know who won this game last week, but I have to like go look up the standings, which is how I would put them on the board and look them up. Which is what, the, right, what I'm now trying we, to now, avoid. We, now this has become the weirdest thing. So you would go online to look up the <laughs> to standings up. to write them on your board because you don't want to look them up online. Yeah, basically. Wow. There's, I mean, I'm looking at that and I'm like, you get rid of that, and you can make that your motivation board. And just be like, at the bottom, like, this is what I want out of improv and comedy. And well, like, how do I get to that? It is So that so you can see the smears on the board. Yeah. It, that, it's a shitty board. I, it I, is a very I, shitty I board. Took, I, I would scrub, and it would, that's what I'd still get. Okay. What I used to have on that board, um, me and my friend <clears throat> Tom, we would make YouTube videos. I uh-huh. was like playing video games and like doing like funny commentary or whatever over Sure, it. sure, sure. And so what I used to have, the schedule, like what we would do, like the, the goals and all like you just said. But yeah. with that specific thing... Um, we stopped doing that, so I needed something for the board. But like, it was uh, yeah. That, that's what that board originally was was like goals and like what I wanted to do and like. Um, that board's seen a lot of different things. I um, yeah. <clears throat> I've been a little lazy with it. Like I don't. I, obviously, I'm not doing anything with it now. Yeah, football season ended like a long several time. months yeah. ago. Yeah, and yeah, that, realistically, the, what's even worse is I forget to do that for like three weeks, and then I'd go Damn back it. and update it. This is yeah. This this is now. This, be, this is, is the clearly the weirdest thing in your room. <laughs> You don't even want to know the rest of the bullshit stories about the other things. No, really, that's the thing that's... Because I, I, like, I don't even really give a shit about sports as much as I used to, but that's that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And this from, like, I when I was a kid, I would do, like, all kinds of, like, weird sports stuff. Mm-hmm. And just, like... Yeah. That's, 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 an, that's an unusual one. What are some other things that people thought was weird? Um, so that little Friends thing. That little oh the, the little giraffe. giraffe no that's adorable I think it is and it's surrounded by all these different things from my friends oh like I went to a wedding those are the pictures and like I go on different meetups around uh, you know Texas or Minnesota or whatever okay so I like to put that shit up and you know remember it and it's like fun to see because otherwise it would just be hidden and I would never think of those moments right um the wrestling belt got picked once that's just I said um, I've never been able to find a wrestling belt and then one of my friends found one the next day yeah book. Plus, I mean, once you're the U.S. world champion, you want everyone to know that. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, other things, people are really drawn to that red, like, sumo tapestry thing. That is pretty cool. I got that, uh, we had a foreign exchange student, uh-huh. um, the first summer I lived here, so I lived in Fredericksburg when I first moved here, so he was there at that time, and yeah. he gave us all these cool Japanese That's super things. dope. I'm kind of jealous of that. Yeah, it's really cool. Nice. Um... The weirdest thing... Oh, and people are fascinated with my jar of Tabasco sauce in my bookshelf. Yeah. I don't really get... It's just there. There's the just pe- Tabasco sauce. The thing that gets the most mentions, yeah. and uh, it's it's a bitch to explain, is I have two cameras in my room. One up there. Oh, yeah. So, I bought them when I lived in New Orleans. I lived in a two-story house. I yeah. bought them, and I'm like, I'm going to have one on top, one on bottom. That way I can keep track of my shit, because you know, I lived in a weird neighborhood. Yeah. And it was just like, also, my forks kept going missing, so I'm like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Um, I didn't get them until I moved here. That's true. I have no forks. I had to go get new forks. So you ordered these cameras? I got them when I moved here, so I didn't need them anymore. So they just sat and did nothing, and then I'm like, I might as well use them. Wait, are you filming me? So they're not recording. Okay. They're just... That one doesn't even work, because it's blinking. It's broken. Okay. But I I, I haven't taken that. That one, I I can go on my phone and look at it. To see a live feed. Okay. And it was funny because, yeah, everyone thinks I'm recording. It is, if I was recording, that's creepy. That I obviously crazy. have no proof that I'm not. So it, it, it puts a really weird, weird tone on the episode. When at the end, they're like, that's weird. What are you doing with those? Baby, you ain't the first one to want to film me. <laughs> 
I feel like, weird. I feel like there's no more explanation needed. I feel yeah. like that's that's no. Yeah, you were not the first person who wants to film with me. That's cool. I get it. And end recording. <laughs> Xbox <laughs> yeah. <stop> recording. <laughs> Xbox <stop> recording. <laughs> cool. Well, do you have any other plugs or anything you want to? Uh, no, like I said, uh, the podcast, which, um, I'll like, maybe I'll text you a link to it tomorrow once I get it all set up. Um, and then, um, I got to figure out how to get on like iTunes. I don't know shit. Right. Mm -hmm. I'd rather, instead of doing a podcast, I'd rather just go to a restaurant and talk loudly with someone and like (laughs) let people around us just listen in. Everybody listen, we're doing something really great here. Ooh, let's take a look. It's that dude who does his live podcast at a restaurant and doesn't record them. That's Jim Zarling. That's Jim Zarling. That's who you (laughs) drunk bastard. Um, yeah, so, you know, go out and get your stories. Like, that's what I'd say, Jonathan. Just go out and make those stories. Make the stories. Yeah. Way to put a bow on it. Yeah. I don't even think that that's interesting. So maybe, like, I think we all have that thing of our lives where, like, my life's not that interesting, and then you're just like, oh, man, that's pretty cool. Wait, you were married for 23 years? I'm like, yeah, I was. 23 years. Yeah, and I didn't kill myself. Somehow. Somehow. Uh, trust me, yeah, somehow I didn't. <laughs> that's a miracle. Dude, thanks for having me on. Thanks and now we're on. friends. Oh, I don't yeah. hate you. That is official. That is, so, that is the rule of the podcast. Of all the people who are new to the theater, there is one that I don't hate. No, I don't hate Nicole either. So there's two that I don't hate. Aaron. Aaron. Oh, not, Aaron's Aaron. not new, though. She's been on for longer. No, right. Aaron's my girl, right? Aaron's awesome. Yeah, I love Aaron. She's great. Cool. Cool, cool. cool. Thank you for doing it. Oh, of course. I'll, I'll always do a podcast. Would you like to say goodbye to the microphone? Uh, goodbye, microphone. That's weird. <laughs> Why would I say goodbye to the microphone?